This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, Internet. My name is Chris. And my name is being withheld to mourn the dear departed. And this is The Talking Dead, number 372, recorded on Monday, April the 9th, 2018, starting at post 10 o'clock, which is really late for us. So, oh, uh, 10.09, look at that. Yeah, 10.09 on April 9th. So it's, it's super late, and we're going to be up all night, but that's because we have to record a podcast and there's nothing more important. That's true. There is nothing more important. All right. We are going to recap the latest episode of The Walking Dead, Season 8, Episode 14. And we're not going to screw around this week, Jason, because it is late. We're just going to get right started. <laughs> uh, I don't really believe you, but we can try. Does anybody say get right started? No, they don't do that. Uh, yeah, well, they do now, Chris. You're on the internet. You've got to start a meme, right? We're going to dive right in and get started. It's probably, okay. what, I, it's probably what I meant right there. Sure. Here we go. And I didn't write down the title, but I think it's Wrath. Wrath. But if you want to do a title read, go look it up. Make sure. Yeah, episode 15. Oh, it's called Worth, not Wrath. It's called Worth. Worth. Record Wrath. I'm not going to play it. Oh. Uh, the title of this episode is Worth. Hi, sir. Hi. Got knock, knock joke for you. Right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Worth. Worth who? Were those my keys you took? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> Thank you to Josh in St. Paul, Minnesota, Sir Wumpy Flump in California, and Ian and Isa in Countess Thorpe, UK, for those title reads for the episode called Worth. Those are my favorite, I think. <laughs> all three of them? Yeah, all of them. All I right. think they were all absolutely my favorite. They were really good, yeah. So uh, They were at least in my top three this week. <laughs> perfect. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the first one there from Josh, of course, references back to last week when I got the title wrong uh, and corrected myself kind of live. And so there you go. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you go to record the title read live while you're listening to the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't do that. You got to make sure I don't screw it up first and then you won't screw it up. Well, you did say to go look it up, so... Yeah. Well, anyways. All right. Well, they were fun. I liked them. I think they were great, too. If you want to get a title read in, we've got one more episode, and it's coming next week, and it's called Wrath, but we're not here to do that. But if you want to get that in, send that it, record it and send it in to us sometime before next Monday. For now... Wait, wait. You're sure, though? It's called... The next one's called Wrath. This one's worth, and then we have Wrath? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say I'm 99% sure. Okay, so it's not wrapped no. or anything like that? I'll make sure for Thursday. Let's put it that way. Roth? Roth. <laughs> That's like <laughs> Ross from Friends, if you have well, a it's speech like, impediment. It's Roth. It's, uh, it's, a whole, it's a whole word on its own. It's not like Ross from Friends. With a speech impediment. <laughs> I'm looking that up. But no, that's a whole word. That's an, an actual real-life word. Okay. You, W-R-O-T-H, Roth. What does that mean? I don't that know. Means, it's an adjective, archaic. Doesn't tell me what it is. All right. Fucking internet. I don't think it's a word. Angry, wrathful. Oh. Roth. W R O T H. Roth. Very interesting. So Stormy, they... violent, turbulent. So it kind of applies. Yeah. Okay. Let's how about can we talk about worth now? 
Sure, what the hell? Okay. So we're See, gonna... I told you we were going to fuck around a little bit. Oh, there's always a little bit of that. All right, our cold open, Jason. We have Rick reading Carl's letter on the balcony of the hilltop. While Michonne plays with Judith down below, we can see that. And we get Chandler Riggs actually voiceovering it. Yeah, that's nice. So this is kind of his final appearance on the show, even though it's in voice form only. Well, he got credited for the whole season, right? I'm sure he got paid for the whole season. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, But I just mean like his last physical appearance was back in episode, uh, what was it, 10, I guess, or 9. And now his last... Voice appearance is here, unless he unless he does more voiceover on the show. But for now, this well, is he it. might also does uh, he might also does some uh, <laughs> uh, physical you know ghost appearances. I suppose, but I for now like I'm a vision as Rick is leaning up against that uh, uh, the post with his gut shot wound as he's fading into the beyond. The visage of his dead son, recently dead son, or even long dead son, uh, comes back to him to sit down and have a conversation with him. Uh, and then he realizes that uh, his son is dead and that he is dying. And uh, then we get a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Rick eye acting. And then we end the season. Well, you may have figured it all out right there. Uh, but for now, this is the final appearance of Voice Carl. Uh, now the contents of the letter is, I mean, we don't really need to go over all of it, but he kind of is reminiscing about being a kid when he was happy and he encourages Rick to make, make peace with Negan. And for me, the whole thing kind of can be summed up in these words that Carl wrote down, find a way forward somehow. We don't have to forget what happened, but you can make it so that it won't happen again. Nobody has to live this way. Every life is worth something. Pretty much what he was trying to tell his dad, make peace. And uh, in the letter, he also mentions, Carl mentions walking, you know, as a toddler, three-year-old, holding his dad's hand. And as Rick finishes reading, we see Michonne doing just that down on the ground below them with Judith, walking her into the house, holding her hand. So uh, I thought it was quite touching and a nice letter. And, you know, if nothing else, a nice sentiment trying to get his dad to... uh, to live in peace and not live at war the whole time. It made me want to go hug my son. And even recapping it now, it makes me want to pause the podcast, go upstairs and wake up my little boy and give him a hug. <laughs> Never wake a sleeping baby. No, you don't. But he probably would go right back to sleep. He's a good boy. Yeah, of course. Now we cut to Michonne lying on a bed and she gets up and she takes the letter marked Negan out of the drawer and we go to the opening credits. So, oh, she's FedEx. Yeah, she's going to deliver that sucker, and yep. uh, she does. After the credits, we enter a scene with Gregory. He's talking to Simon, and Gregory's kind of making excuses for losing the hilltop. So this uh, this proves that he's not in the car, right? This yes, it at this point, you know, we don't know yet, but to me, this proved that it wasn't Gregory in the car. Gregory's yeah. just been here the whole time, right? Yep. Uh, or he came back here after he fled Hilltop when they busted out of the, out of the, the, the pen. Uh, but he's making excuses for losing the Hilltop and Simon mentions that Negan hasn't come back. So Gregory, I think took this opportunity to try and convince Simon that he's a better leader anyways, because, you know, Gregory is just doing what he thinks is going to help him the best. And if he can convince Simon to take over, he's kind of suggesting that, 
he can help Simon and kind of be an advisor to him, which I guess Gregory feels will put him in a pretty safe position. Yeah, because Gregory's a sniveling, sniving little rat man who uh, doesn't have any integrity whatsoever. Pretty much. And, you know, Simon, to me, recognizes this because he basically, at one point, they stand up together and Simon just sort of grabs him by the head and slams him straight into the ground, like face first. Yeah, good times. Kind of deserved it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what's in the background behind uh, Gregory? The wall. There was a there was a wall, but there were shelves on the on the wall, and on one of those shelves was a basket full of old phone parts, like you know the old rotary phones that you used to have in your house way back in the day, and you actually pick up the handset and yeah, and talk into it, and there'd probably be somebody else on the other line most of the time, uh, but uh, yeah, just a, like a basket full of old phone parts, like that's crazy to me. Well, like, why would they keep those? I, you, you can use those parts to repair other things, I think. Like what? Well, speakers, microphones, they're built into there. You can wire those up. They'd still work. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they have little bells. Like those phones rang, actual rang bells. Right. right? Exactly. So There's, I wonder if you could, I would like to have one of those bells. I wire it up to an Arduino and have it ring every once in a while just to freak people out. Uh, yeah. Um, my boss at one point ended up with an old dugout phone from um, Exhibition Stadium. This is... Oh, you don't fuck with that. You just hang that on the wall and pray to it. This is some inside baseball here, but where the Toronto Blue Jays, our Major League Baseball team, used to play many years ago at an old stadium. Uh, They have long since moved out of, uh, you know, I don't know how he came across it, but my boss got one of the dugout phones that was installed in there and he brought it into work. And then some of the smart guys at work installed some electronics in it, and you could phone from upstairs to downstairs on it. It was pretty nice. Neat. Yeah, it's it was, like the phone they had for the president uh, back in the eighties, the red phone that he had a direct line to the Kremlin. Well, yeah, it was exactly like that. So we might set awesome. that up and connect it to the internet, and it could be a direct line to anywhere. That's pretty sweet. You said Exhibition Stadium. Is that what you said? That was the name of the stadium before they moved into the Sky Dome, which is now the Rogers Center, right? Yeah. I saw Pink Floyd there. It was really good. Me too. Pink before Floyd. They tore it down. I think we were at the same concert. We talked about this before. We might have been, yeah, and didn't know each other. Exciting. No, that was long before we met. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Simon or Gregory gets slammed into the ground, and uh, but Simon decides to let him live. He's, he says he thought about killing him, but... He tells him to make coffee instead, which I thought was a little strange, but perfectly in line with what I think Simon might do. Why wouldn't you make somebody make you a cup of coffee? That sounds like a fantastic idea. Before you, I mean, I wouldn't have violence is not necessary, but, you know, getting someone to make you a cup of coffee, that's the best coffee. All right. Well, that's what Simon wants. Uh, we go to some Oceanside people, and they are looking for Aaron. A zombie comes and starts approaching them, but before they can kill it, Aaron runs up out of nowhere, stabs it in the head, and then collapses to the ground, exhausted. Can't even stand up anymore, it looks like. And the Oceanside people decide to leave him there to die in the woods, and they move on. Well, that's a... I don't know. It seems kind of weird that he used his last little bit of energy to do that. It, It does seem strange, and they really don't have any sympathy for this guy. I mean, I guess... I guess he's hasn't, you know, had a chance to talk to them yet, and they're not sure what the hell he's doing there. Uh, we go over to Eugene, and he is eating some food that Negan's wives have made for him. Specifically, it was uh, sardine and garlic mac and cheese. Yeah. Which, 
I'm not gonna lie. Sounds okay to me because I'm a sardine guy. I like sardines. You're a sardine guy. I like sardines. I used to eat sardine sandwiches. Uh, I like mac and cheese, garlic. Good. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if altogether they're any good, but I would try it. I'm a sardine guy too. Actually, there you go. Buy the packages of sardines or the smoked mussels. I like those smoked mussels. So good. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. My wife is allergic to fish and shellfish, so I'm not allowed to have them in the house. But uh, I miss them. But you miss them like I miss smoking. Can you go out into the garage and like make yourself a sardine and mussel sandwich and eat it out there and just not come back into the house? Uh, I've not tried. Listen, brush your teeth in the utility sink in the garage and then come back in. You'll be fine. Her allergy is pretty bad. It's airborne, right? If she gets a good whiff of it, it, yeah, it's not good. So I'm not sure I really want to try that. Okay. But uh, I can tell you that when I do travel to Lexington, the first thing I do as soon as I sit down in the restaurant in the airport is order fish and chips. Because I know it's going to be a few days before I go back home. And that's the only time I really get to eat a decent fish and chips. All right. Here's what you got to do. All right. Leave your house one morning, go to a nearby donut shop, take some sardines and some mussels into the bathroom, make your sandwich <laughs> in there, eat it, yeah. enjoy it, rinse your mouth out, get a coffee when you leave, and then go home and all this fishy stuff will be gone and you'll be able to kiss your wife without killing her. Okay. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, if you like them it's that much. It's a coffee much. shop bathroom, my friend. I'm not eating in there. Yeah. I don't care what you do. I'm not eating in there. <laughs> I'm not even going in there, generally. <laughs> generally. Depends oh. on how late at night it is and how close to home I am, but uh, generally speaking, I'm not going in there. Okay. And I'm definitely not eating food in there. Well, Eugene is eating food and in his bullet factory. He talks about how he specifically used to make this during college. And then he makes a speech to his workers about how much Simon expects them to get done. And he pretty much says they'll do as much as they can, but they're definitely going to fall short. And hopefully they can create the bare minimum to make Simon happy. Because as far as he knows, Simon's in charge still. Everything that comes out of Eugene's mouth is a lie. Absolutely everything. I don't believe this sardine college story bullshit for a second. No? So what's his problem? Like, why is he being such a dick about eating this food then. He said this is all that's on the menu for the rest of this quarter or something like that. The rest of this order. Oh, order. Until we get this shit done, this is what we're eating. Because he's an ass. Yeah, okay. And he wants to seem, uh, I'm not sure exactly, smart in some kind of weird, uh, mentally deficient way. But uh, I think he's doing this as part of this ploy. I don't believe his uh, college days thing for a second. Okay, well, I actually have a lot to say about Eugene in terms of this episode, but we're going to get to it later after some more information is re- revealed. So uh, I think I'll, I think there's some pretty heavy stuff here with him, but we'll get to it. Uh, he goes to inspect a bullet that Gabe, Father Gabe... Uh, is or he's inspecting a bullet while Father Gabe starts coughing, and it looks like they've been making Gabe wear a surgical mask so he doesn't spread any germs around. That yeah. Eugene tells him to keep on, and Eugene has decided that Father Gabe basically has the flu or something else he mentions, but it's nothing that's in his blood, and therefore he won't die from it. He's just going to get better from the flu. He's got the zombie flu. It's fine. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he realizes that the bullets he's inspecting is no good. And he accuses Gabe of making bad bullets on purpose to which father Gabe basically admits doing saying that he, he doesn't want anyone to die. So he's making bullets that don't work. Right. Interesting. Which is what I thought he would do. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, uh, Gabe also says that 
you know, he doesn't want to help, but he does fear death. So he's kind of torn between these two things because uh, he doesn't want someone to kill him, but he also doesn't want to help make ammunition that will be used to kill other people. And he has decided that he is the same coward that locked his parishioners out of the church way, way back when they first met him. So he's decided that not really a lot has changed. So then Eugene basically fires him and tells him to go sit quietly in a corner. He's not going to be working anymore on the uh, bullet production line. Right. Uh, Eugene goes outside to test fire some ammunition and immediately gets kidnapped by Daryl and Rosita, who lead him away at gunpoint. Yeah, and kill two people. Like there, There's two saviors that have been killed to get Eugene away from them. Uh, yeah, but that's what our people do. They kill saviors. and they... Yeah, no, I just thought that they should be mentioned. Okay, well... So sad for those saviors, I guess, but they're killed. Eugene is uh, kidnapped. Uh, well, to, to be fair, uh, when when you're in a, a war footing like this, like they're at war. This is called all-out war. They're at war. It's every soldier's duty to cover their own fucking ass. Sure. Right? So the fact that they weren't paying enough attention is their own damn fault. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they. it did seem like Daryl and Rosita kind of snuck up out of nowhere. One guy takes a bolt to the head, doesn't he? Or the chest, yeah. maybe. He takes a bolt from Daryl anyways, and then Rosita appears behind the other guy. Uh, but they get Eugene. That's the main point. Yep. We cut over to Dwight, who is at the sanctuary. He comes outside to have a smoke, and dun-dun-dun, Negan is there. He's, Yay! He's back. Negan wonders why Dwight and Simon never came to help him during his, you know, basement fight with Rick a couple episodes ago, and Dwight tries to claim that Simon is the number two man and he figured Negan would wanted would want Simon making the calls like deciding what to do in that situation to which Negan kind of agrees but uh you know he says that's okay and then he tells Dwight to put his cigarette out and he says they should remember this talk yeah so for now Negan's like okay fair enough Simon was the number two man you were sort of doing what he was saying uh although he does at one point, prod Dwight to, you know, stop saying, Simon says, and tell me what you think. Right. My, uh, personally, if someone, if I was in this situation and uh, I was Dwight in this situation and someone came to me, uh, say Negan, <laughs> in this case, uh -huh. came to me and said, why didn't you come and help me? Uh, my answer would be, we looked for you. It's a big fucking planet, dude. We couldn't find you. Well, were you, were you in a hole somewhere? He, yes. Yeah. Did you get kidnapped and then taken away by someone? Yes. Dude, we looked. We couldn't find you. I'm glad you're back. I'm surprised you're here uh, because I didn't think you could survive, but you're an awesome fucking dude that can survive pretty much anything. Uh, and so, uh, yes, it's surprising that you're back, but I'm glad you're back and it's good to have you back. Uh, great to be back. <laughs> How have you been? Uh, you're Negan. I'm Negan. We're right. all Negan. We're fine here. How are you? Yeah, he, he he doesn't go into that much detail. He does say we we found your car, you know, blown up, stuff like that, and then I just did what Simon said. So, but you're right. He could have gone on a little bit more. It's like we searched, man. We couldn't find you. We had to continue with the mission. Also, right? We our people yeah. were standing around doing nothing, sitting ducks. We couldn't take the time to search every building for you, especially that one that was on fire right beside your car. I mean, we wouldn't have looked in there. That would have made no sense at all. Yeah. So anyway. we stayed uh, we stayed bunched up in this alley, 
uh, and uh, stood around. Well, most of us did. I mean, me and Simon, we looked for you, but everybody else just kind of stood around like a bunch of fucking jerks. Uh, <laughs> yes. So blame them, not us. We look for you, dude. Blame them. So we have a commercial break, and when we come back, we have Simon in Negan's meeting room along with the rest of the crew, actually. And Simon is trying to explain to Negan, you know, why they didn't come to find him. He says they thought they killed him. I guess he means Rick. And he's kind of apologizing for trying to exterminate everybody at Hilltop instead of just infecting them, right? That's what Negan wanted to do, not actually kill everyone, but Simon decided to take them all out. And he asks for a pass on this one, boss, and I'll make it up to you, is what he says. While Negan is oiling his bat. Right. Which is so cliche, it kind of makes me a little bit ill. It's like someone having a conversation while they sharpen their sword. <laughs> you you know what that sharp sword's going to be used for. It's just so cliche, it makes me sad and a little bit ill. Yeah. Well, Negan is, is getting ready to do something, it seems like, and he talks about knowing Simon for a long time and how Simon helped him take the sanctuary. And he reveals that Simon is the one that killed all the men and the boys at Oceanside. Yeah. Which shouldn't be really too surprising now, given what we know, I think, about the way Negan does things and the way Simon wants to do things. Yeah, Simon has a predilection for mass murder. He does, I guess. And, um, you know, we didn't know that when Oceanside originally told us that the Saviors murdered all the men. But it does sort of line up with these two guys now, now that we know this. Uh, he, so Negan says that he wasn't too sure about keeping Simon around at that point because he's such a weirdo. But, you know, you want to you wanna keep these people close to you so you can keep an eye on them. Yeah. And then he tells Simon to kneel. And it seems like he's going to bash his brains in with Lucille. Uh, but he does not. No, he doesn't. Did you think you, Simon was going to get it at this point? I did. Yeah, I kind of did, did too. I, I kind of did. I kind of did. Because we haven't seen uh, Lucille uh, come out of her sheath to really do some uh, gruesome damage to anybody in quite some time. Not in a while. So that's true. I thought that this was going to be that time. And I, I yeah, I, I guess I was about 70% sure that uh, Simon was going to eat the bat from the back of his head. Yeah. So, but Negan doesn't do it. He, he asks Simon if he's going to make a move and Mr. Simon says there's no move to make. Like really he couldn't. I mean, there's a room full of people. He's on his knees. Negan's standing behind him. Like if he tries to do anything, like he's, he's toast anyways, but. Simon would have done something if he thought that uh, Negan was going to swing. I firmly believe that I didn't know that Simon was going to survive, but Simon did. He somehow knew, eh? Well. Negan spares his life. It's proved out a little later. Okay. All right. We'll get to that. I believe that my opinion is proved out a little later. Perfect. Uh, Negan says all is forgiven, which, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, you shouldn't believe that when Negan says that. I, I don't feel like he's kind of a forgiving guy when it comes to people who are this far sort of outside his program. If someone is standing behind you with a bat that is covered in barbed wire and they are threatening to end your life mm-hmm. with that bat, mm-hmm. don't believe what they say. Just don't believe them. I mean, be glad that they that he didn't swing the bat and spared you at that moment. But yeah, I think if Simon wasn't an idiot, 
at this this is the point where he like immediately gets a car and flees and runs away because he's got to believe he's sort of living on borrowed time at this point. Yeah, for now he's okay, but who knows? So Negan says all is forgiven. He taps the table and one of the other guys pulls out a map and they outline a plan to create 10 new outposts surrounding the hilltop, each with a cache of weapons and ammo. And Negan says he wants to slowly take out the hilltoppers one by one until they basically have complete control. And he says things like if, if they try to resist, we'll have a reload cache of weapons like two minutes away. So we'll never be caught with our pants down. And uh, Simon agrees that it's a good plan. So Negan dismisses everybody from the meeting except for Dwight. So this tells me, like, as soon as the uh, the scene with uh, Dwight and, sorry, uh, with uh, Simon and Negan ended, and Negan said, all is forgiven. As soon as he stood up and walked a couple of paces around the table and then tapped it twice, and this guy immediately pulled out a map, tells me that Negan and this other guy had this double tap on the table signal pre-planned, which meant that this whole thing that we just went through was pre-planned uh-huh. by Negan and at least this one other guy. So I know at that very second that I was being fucked with well, if I was Simon. See, you're smarter than me because that didn't occur to me at the time, but you're absolutely right. Like, how does that dude know that a double tap on the table means pull out the map? That's because it's a pre-planned signal. That's uh, that's it's it's uh, binary messaging, yeah. right? Like signal fire to tell somebody something. You have to already know what the fucking signal fire means for it to mean anything, right? So the double tap, you can't read any information. It's like a it's a it's a bit of information essentially. Mm-hmm. It's two bits, nah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit of information. So the signal has to pre. Uh, has to mean something before the signal is given. That is that is very, very true. But could it not just be that as they were coming in, Negan says to that guy, look, we've got some stuff to deal with here, but when I, you know, when we're done, I'm going to tap the table, take out the map. That's when we'll talk about the plan. That sounds stupid. Why would you not just say, Why would you do that? take out the map? Right. Yeah. Hey, yo, Jimmy Bob, get the map out. Right. I want to talk about the plan. Yeah. So it would have been better if Negan had just said that, said to that guy, uh, pop out that Or map. even, hey, fuckhead, do the thing. Right? Right. Say that s- would have probably been enough information for the fuckhead to get his map out. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So is that just sort of bad writing? Um, or, no, or not necessarily. I think of it in terms of, of uh, characters, that if I was Simon, because Negan did that, I would probably know that I was being messed with. So so it is a shortcoming or it is a mistake by Negan that Simon should have been able to pick up on, but didn't. So it says something about both of them, really. Yeah. yeah. And the way I feel about Simon, I have to believe that he did pick up on it. Uh-huh. He failed to do anything about it, but he must have known. He must have known. Okay, well, everybody gets out of the room except for Dwight. And Negan goes on to commend Dwight for not doing anything stupid after all the stuff that's happened to him and Sherry, and the face ironing, and all that stuff, and uh, he says Dwight that, he says to Dwight that he did well in sort of keeping it clear, and keeping his emotions in check, and doing what he should be doing to stay alive. So he's, he's giving Dwight the old pat on the back there. Yeah. We go to ring him up. Pretty much, yeah. Go to a commercial break, and we come back, we have Rosita, Daryl, and Eugene, they are on the road, walking back 
uh, somewhere with, uh, I guess, back to Hilltop. And Eugene just won't shut up, which is kind of his style lately. So Daryl threatens to cut his tongue out. And that was one of the first things I've agreed with on Daryl in a long time, because I'm like, oh, Eugene, just shut your damn trap for a while. Why would Why would they not gag him? Or at least, you know, shoot his mouth shut somehow. Because <laughs> I'd assume they didn't have any tape. You can't cut somebody's mouth shut, but you can shoot their mouth shut, I assume. Well, I, they needed to do something because I just was tired of hearing his voice at that moment, to be honest with you. I'm like, finally, they've got him. They're going to do something with him, and he just won't shut the hell up. So Daryl shuts him up, and... Uh, no, he doesn't. Well, He says shut up, but then he keeps talking. He does. He Daryl kind of d- moves forward, I think, a little bit, but him and Rosita... Uh, keep going and Eugene tries to explain that he made Rosita's bullet to save her life the one she used to try to shoot Negan remember yeah and he says he expected Negan to kill him or torture him but he didn't and so that's kind of why he stayed with them Um, and uh, Rosita says that you know they all know that Eugene was the one that allowed the saviors to escape the sanctuary and they're all pretty pissed about that yeah so, you know, they go back and forth a bit. Eugene starts blaming Rick for all of this. So Rosita essentially threatens to kill him by putting a gun to his chin. And she says that they're going to keep him in a dark hole and only bring him out when they need him to teach them something. It's going to be uh, unnerving for an actor to take even a, like a prop gun and, you know, hold it underneath somebody's head mm-hmm. with your finger on the trigger. Obviously, it's a prop gun and not a real gun. But it's still got to be unnerving for an actor yep. to have to act around that. Well, and because that's, that's disturbing to me. I think so too. Eugene looked freaking terrified. Like whether he really was or he wasn't, uh, he did a good job. Josh did a good job acting in that moment because I did think he looked pretty scared. Yeah, but you're right. And even if he wasn't really scared, I mean, unnerving is is the right way to describe it. Having a a prop gun that looks as much like a real gun as you're allowed to make them. Yeah. Um, pointed Which right you're at allowed you. to make them, they just safe real guns. Like they're real guns, but I'm not sure it was a metal gun. I think it might've been a rubber gun yeah. kind of thing, but the, the hero guns that they use, they're real guns that, uh, that are safe. Like the, the firing pins are removed. They're welded, whatever. I don't know, but they're essentially real weapons that have been saved. Right. Right. So you can't but even, even, shoot uh, you know, as a, as an actor holding that gun to somebody must be disturbing to do. You might get used to it. I mean, especially being on a show like this, you might get more comfortable with the the use of fake weapons. I I'm, I'm pretty sure I would over time, but you're absolutely yeah. right. Like at first, that would be would make me feel uncomfortable. Well, real people have died by using fake weapons. Yeah, the crow guy, right? Didn't he? Yeah, get not shot accidentally and died somehow. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was a real bullet or just something that got uh, was lodged in the barrel or something. Because when you fire uh, even a blank, there's hot gases that come out, right? Unless right. you have uh, a BFA or a blank firing attachment that you stick on the end uh, of the rifle. When we were in, uh, when I was in basic training and we were using uh, assault rifles, uh, semi-automatic assault rifles, the FNC1A1, uh, when we used blanks, we had to stick this blank firing attachment on the end and it was bright orange Mm -hmm. and if we didn't have that thing on the end of that rifle whether it was loaded with blanks loaded with real weapons or completely unloaded if we aimed that at somebody they were uh 
the officer that was in charge was in their legal rights to shoot you. Well, their their assumption was that you were aiming a loaded weapon at someone. That's right. With the intention of firing that weapon. Yeah. You, all weapons are loaded, even if they're not. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that blank firing attachment was, uh, it was impressed upon us uh, quite a bit to make sure that you did not lose it and that it was attached uh-huh. and that, uh, yeah, because you lose it, you could get shot. Yeah, not not good. Uh, anyways. Anyway, unnerving, uh, holding fake weapons to people's heads. Yeah. Makes you, me nervous. You get used to it after a while, though. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've been watching it for years. It still makes me nervous. Still makes you nervous, yeah. Well, Rosita says they're going to only pull him out of his hole when they need him, and that they're going to force him to do something useful with his pathetic life. Are her right. exact words. We go back to uh, Dwight. He's in his room. He's making a copy of Negan's plan map. Um, I don't know why he has Negan's map at this point, uh, but I guess... Uh, I guess everyone has a copy of the map, maybe. And he ha- he adds a note to it that says, Tomorrow afternoon, Negan and 10 men at the X, other 11-person teams at each of the circles, end Negan, end the rest, end this. Did you recognize anything on the map? Uh, no, not really. It's more of a neither. topographical map, it looks like. but I'm wondering if it's a fake map. They make fake maps, I assume, for TV. They make fake newspapers, fake sure. everything. Sure, why not? I don't well, know. I just I couldn't tell if it was a real map or a fake map, but they had two copies of whatever map this was. Well, it's a real fake map, I guess. Yeah. So as Dwight's doing this, he uh, hears a knock on the door, so he, of course, hides what he's doing. Simon comes in, and he has come to basically tell Dwight that he still wants to get rid of Negan, and he's got a plan to do it. So Simon is no longer content being the number two. He wants to continue with his idea of getting rid of Negan and destroying everybody at Hilltop. And he tells, you know, he says to Dwight that he's unhappy with the current management as is, you know, most of the team right there. Right. Uh, He tells Dwight they're going to meet with the others in the courtyard and begin what's next. And uh, he uses all of the stuff Negan has done to Dwight as a way to convince him, you know, Sherry, face ironing, all all the things that um, Negan commended Dwight for, or sort of surviving through earlier, now Simon is using it to convince Dwight to be on his side. So, interesting, right. I thought. Yeah. You look like you're still studying the map over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, looking up, uh, I think I saw Charlottetown and Madison on it. Okay, I'm. those probably exist. <laughs> probably, I'm looking it up. Probably one in every state. Uh, <laughs> probably. Yeah. After another break... I'm going to move on. We we are on the road with Eugene. A bunch of zombies appear, and Daryl goes to kill them. Now, as he's doing this, Eugene notices a few more coming up from behind, in a reflection in a car window. So he decides not to warn Rosita, but instead he makes himself vomit all over her and runs off. Yeah, using the old vomit as a distraction and then two zombies as a pick uh, routine to get away. Yeah. Smart. That's right. And probably the smartest thing that Eugene ever did and noticed he didn't have to talk about it. Right. And, and this sort of makes the earlier eating scene kind of make sense. We saw him eat all this, this mac and cheese with sardines and garlic, and it all came back all over Rosita. Pretty, pretty gross. Yeah. I 
I don't think it was necessary to have sardines. Whenever you, in my experience, whenever you vomit over all over somebody's boobs, they get gross, grossed out. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, I wasn't really going to talk about that necessarily, but um, yes, when you vomit all over anybody, any part of them, they tend to get grossed out. Yeah. I mean, well, it depends, right? I've had my son vomit on me. I thought it was fine. My son's pooped on me. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind. No, but, that happens. You know, a grown adult pooping on you is bad. My opinion. I, hey, man, whatever you're into, but yeah. Exactly. That's fine. Yeah. No, it's not good for me, it's, but whatever you're into is fine. Uh, I would get grossed out, but uh, yeah, when uh, another adult vomits on you or you vomit on another adult, <laughs> I've had it both ways. Whoever gets vomit, whoever's the vomitee mm-hmm. is pretty grossed out. The vomitor is usually embarrassed, uh-huh. uh, but not in this case. Uh, you don't need sardines to make this grosser. No, that's very, very true. Um Again, though, whatever you're into, if you enjoy being the vomitee, more power to you. Yeah, just in my experience is all I'm saying. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so he runs away and Rosita has to kill a couple zombies while he gets away through a fence. Uh, she shoots but misses. So her and Daryl try to follow him through the fence. They come to a large pile of ashes and body parts. So it looks like a lot of stuff, including zombies, have been burned here and there are big piles of ashes. They run past saying they like, see tracks like there's footprints all the way through these ashes, like to the far side of the ashes. That's why they run. Oh, OK. Well, they, they say things like we can't let him get back there and stuff like that. So they go off looking for him. But it turns out Eugene was hiding under the ashes. So he is now scot free. I assume that he had the same cloak that the hobbits had in uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy where the elves gave them where they could uh, use it as camouflage. Yep. Because uh, he came out and he pulled a hood off. And uh, I I just have to call bullshit because if you ever tried to bury yourself in something and make it look like the uh, the surrounding area, like leaves or dirt or anything, have you ever tried doing that? Uh, leaves and sand, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the does it work? Well, it takes a long time. It does take a long time, but are you successfully able to camouflage yourself uh, so that nobody can find you? No, you often need someone else to help, right? Cover you. It looks leaves. like fucking snow angels. With like a pile of dirt in the middle. <laughs> That's true. Hey, man. <laughs> so Eugene's a smart I assume guy. He ha- the only explanation I can give him for this is that he had a magic cloak. Okay. I know. Don't get started on the fact that, uh, don't tell me that the cloak that in, in Lord of the Rings wasn't magic. It was just elven made. I know that, but I'm saying that Eugene had a magic cloak. Those cloaks were not magic. They were just elven made, which made them better. All right. Well, I was just going to go with magic because it's all the same to me. Uh, no, we, we're talking on the internet here. Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, very true. Uh, anyways, they run and Eugene is free. We go back to Aaron in the forest. It's raining and he's collected some rainwater to drink, but he's still starting. It looks like he's starting to starve. He hasn't eaten, uh, hasn't had much water, it looks like. He gets attacked by a bunch of zombies and he is really barely able to fight them off. In the melee, he loses his knife and... I'll be honest here, Jason. This is what I expected to happen in this scene. A zombie gets on top of him, which he does. And then I fully expected him to be kind of overwhelmed, have, you know, get close to being bitten and then be rescued by the Oceansiders, right? When the zombie's on top of him, I expect that all of a sudden, you know, an axe or a bat or an arrow or something to come out and take out that zombie and he's saved. But to the show's credit, they didn't do this. They actually... um, you know, Aaron actually finished the fight himself. 
he manages to survive it. He collapses down. And uh, sometime later is when the Oceansiders find him. So I, I was, I appreciated that. They didn't like go for the, oh, saved at the last second, which, you know, they do so often. Right. Well, that's good. It is. Um, when the Oceansiders do find him, uh, he sort of comes to because he's unconscious and he tells them that the saviors made them into what they are and they can't just sit around. They have to fight back and then kind of passes out again and that's it. Yeah. So his whole point was to hang around until he got a chance to tell them that they have to fight back. That's the whole reason he was there. Well, it's sort of a, uh, it's sort of auditioning for a ninja master kind of thing where they reject you. The ninja master rejects you at first and you have to prove that you're, uh, stalwart and that you're, you're determined to be an apt pupil to get your message across. So the, you know, it's just, it's repeatedly ignoring him until they respect him to be able to respect him enough to be able to hear him. So the respect is earned by fighting those zombies by himself and surviving? Or sticking around and uh, enduring hardship near them. It okay. gives them the respect that uh, that he deserves because he's proven that he's uh, he's determined enough and that he's brave enough and that he's strong enough and he's worthy of uh, of being able to give them the message. Okay. And that, of them hearing it. I, I actually don't mind that explanation because the other part of me was like, all right, I appreciate the scene because they made Aaron survive on his own and not be rescued. But I also was sort of like, what's the point? You know, why are they right. doing this just to deliver the same message he tried to deliver when him and Enid first showed up there? But when you frame it like that, it, I think it adds more to the fact that he survived on his own because they didn't rescue him and that proved his worthiness. And right. then they listened to what he had to say. So, so I'm, I'm on board. Okay. Well, think of it this way. Also, I agree that you're on board, but I think that uh, another example would really hit this home for you. Now, you have a furnace, right? Yes, I do. And people come by every once in a while to try and uh, check your furnace for air quality or whatever, and they try and sell you services by coming to your front door. Uh, I, I don't have forced air. I have radiators. So, But yes, people do occasionally come by to check the operation of my furnace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, And you tell them to go away. Because uh, you don't want their services and they're unsolicited and they're not worthy of entering your home. Unless I specifically phone them, I generally tell them no thanks. Right. So if if it's a door-to-door thing, you tell them to go away. Now, that's all well and good and everything because you don't respect them. But if they stayed for like three days and four nights on your front doorstep, (laughs) after that time, you'd be like, okay, you've spent enough time on my front porch that you sh- you know you've been out here shivering in the cold you haven't eaten anything you haven't slept uh, i don't know if you've had anything to drink uh but you've been sitting here for days come on in have a look at the furnace or the hot water heater or what have you so you know it's the same kind of thing right they've proven themselves worthy that's right uh, of entering your home and servicing your furnace and or hot water tank i mean that's what happened the last time so yeah, you're absolutely right. It makes total yeah. sense. So it's yeah, it's when they camp out that you respect them. Very good. Well, I guess that's what happened here. Aaron has delivered his message and then collapsed into the mud, basically. And uh, I hope he's okay. Uh, they'll probably stab him. Like, thanks for the message, dude. And then, you know, stab him in the gut. And you're done. Right. And let him wander around as a zombie, because obviously I think that they use the zombies as a deterrent. Mm-hmm. And if that you- an Aaron zombie deterrent would be... 
the best kind of zombie deterrent. I think so. Well, after a commercial break, we are back with Dwight. He's outside where Negan made him put out that smoke before. And most of Negan's inner circle come out, including Simon, of course. So this is the meeting outside in the courtyard where they're going to launch their plan to overthrow Negan. Which they've cleaned up rather well. Like, this is where the zombie horde was that they broke out. They yes. cleaned the shit out of this place. I noticed like, that, too. Like, it looks nice. Not a, not a body part, not a stain on the ground. So we saw this same kind of behavior uh, at the hilltop with the uh, the savior, um, uh, not slaves, what do you call them? Prisoners. Prisoners. That uh, some of them were, were left behind or stayed behind. Yep. And the first thing they did was they polished the shit out of everything. They were polishing the walls. They were polishing <laughs> the wood. So this is, you know, basic savior behavior is that. Uh, you know, idle hands are the devil's playthings. So, uh, you know, when you've got some downtime, start cleaning some shit up and polish. Well, they did a re- really good job outside here because you're right. There's not a body left. There's nothing. That, it looks like nothing ever happened there. Yeah, they raked the friggin' gravel. Like, right. it looked really good. Okay. Well, it, it really did. Uh, Simon, he comes out and he's talking about how they're all in on the plan and they're going to make it quick, quiet, and respectful. And he offers Dwight the opportunity to kill Negan at their next meeting. And he goes on to talk about destroying the hilltop and its people again. But suddenly, Negan comes out from around the dumpster and it turns out that Dwight sold out Simon to Negan. Smart. It really is. If Sad, you, but smart. Yeah, I guess so. Some shots ring out. And a lot of the people around them fall to the ground. So everyone who was part of Simon's little overthrow plan here, many of them are shot and killed. So Gregory's there and he's not killed, of course. The moral of this story is don't have your clandestine uh, revolt meeting out in the middle of uh, the courtyard, the main courtyard of your hideout. Yeah. Fucking go find an alley. Like, well, maybe in a basement, meet up in Dwight's room. Uh, there's got to be a better place that's at least not as open to snipers as this particular locale. <laughs> there's probably a million better places. Like, pick the basement crapper and I'll meet in there at some point, you know? Yeah. It's like, don't go outside where you're out in the open and anyone could just look out a window and be like, huh, what are they all doing out there? Like, even if they don't know, you know, it's like interesting. There's a big group that doesn't usually assemble by that dumpster. Yeah, it's not, Simon's not the best tactician, I don't think. No, he's a cool guy, but he didn't really have a plan going to attack Hilltop or, you know, he, he, not a great one anyways. And now he decides to have his meeting out in the courtyard. So not a great strategist, really. Um Simon gets all upset. They're restraining him. He asks Dwight why he would do this after everything that's happened. And Dwight simply says he'd win, meaning Negan. Yeah, so, well, that was the politically correct thing to do. The The actual answer is I got my own thing going on and I don't give a fuck about you, buddy. Well, so sure. I'm going to throw you under the bus to help me with my own thing. Yeah. Uh, Negan talks a bit about what Simon has done here. And then he offers to fight Simon man to man. Uh, and we go immediately to that fight. So we cut inside. All the saviors are in a big crowd around Negan and Simon. Simon starts talking to the group. He's all cocky and arrogant, and 
He says that Negan isn't the man to continue leading, and then kind of mid-sentence, he turns around and takes a bit of a cheap shot at Negan. Uh, and they start fighting, and Simon gets a few good hits in at first. And then as they're fighting, Dwight sneaks off with Gregory and gives him the map with the note, and he tells him to get it back to Rick. So he's sending that back. Um, Simon and Negan battle it out for a bit, and eventually Negan gets Simon down, and he starts choking him, Get got his hands around his neck. As he's killing Simon, he says that when Simon attacked the hilltop and then ran away, basically all that came of that was he made them look weak, and he gave the hilltop people some confidence. So he says, because of that, they're never going to fall in line, and now I have to kill them all anyways. And then he chokes Simon out, and we hear some neck-crushing sounds. Neck-crushing sounds. So we've uh, we've witnessed a lot in uh, The Walking Dead over the last uh, bunch of years. Yes. We've seen uh, a van magically flip over onto its wheels. We've seen uh, Glenn's fake-out death, which... Uh, you know, was not real. Uh, we've seen some very, very soft heads. Yep. We've seen squishy nerf heads. We've seen uh, uh, heads that are basically touched with a pointy stick. Mm-hmm. And and uh, these pointy sticks are insta-kills. Uh, in the first few seasons of this show, we've seen every shot be a headshot. Yep. You remember those days when all the shots were headshots? I really do. Uh, we've seen magic uh, rifles that are recoilless. Don't take uh, real bullets because nothing's been ejected and they're basically laser guns. <laughs> uh, we've seen a lot in this show. We have. And now we see Negan beats Simon in uh, a fair fist fight, basically hand-to-hand melee fight. Uh-huh. That is complete and utter bullshit. I can deal with a lot, but I can't, it, I can't do it. I need you... Chris, and I need all of our listeners to go and do me a favor. Go on the internet and search Stephen Ogg shirtless, and then go search Jeffrey Dean Morgan shirtless. Uh-huh. Have yourselves a good look-see. Stephen Ogg, a.k.a. Simon, would beat the living shit out of Negan every time, hands down. There's no way in hell that Negan would win this fight. Okay. I have two things to say. The first one is that the the appearance of someone shirtless doesn't necessarily mean they're going to beat them in a fight based on, on the size of their muscles or the, the apparent fitness level or anything like that. Um, so, you know, like... Uh, you you can't use that as a as a measure for who's going to win that fight. You can you got to you got to do the search though. You haven't done the search. You're just faking it right now. You got to do the search and then you got to get a judge. Yes, I agree with you. But you <laughs> know we've case. got Stephen Ogg who is a very muscular man. Sure, like this guy is quite in shape. Okay, and then we have Jeffrey Dean Morgan who's skinny as hell. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But that fair enough like it it's a pretty it may be a good indicator of who would win win a fight but let's just say that there are other factors like meanness you know, technique and meanness and and you know who who you know cheap shots and things like that so there are definitely other factors the thing that bothered me about this fight the the one thing that probably shouldn't is that Negan was fighting in his leather jacket seems so stupid like take off the leather jacket you're going to be more mobile you're not going to be as hot and we know you look wears... skinnier to the camera 
you look skinnier to the camera, maybe, but you're, you know, we know he wears white t-shirts underneath. Simon was just wearing a t-shirt. He wasn't wearing anything else. So that kind of bothered me that Negan was fighting in a, um, in a leather jacket. But the other thing is it doesn't make any freaking sense to me that Negan would even offer this as an option. No, Why? because Stephen Ogg is going to fucking kick his ass, you know, 500 times out of 501 times. Whether whether that's, whether Negan believes that or, or knows that or not, I just don't think Negan, it makes any sense for Negan to even give him the option. It's like, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, is what he says. And I'm like, no, Negan would be like, you want to beat the man? Or sorry, you want to be the man? Bang, shoot him in the face. You're not the man, right? Yeah, or bash him with the bat. You know, yeah, Negan does not want to get into a fair fight. Why would you get into a fair fight? No, it like, doesn't make any sense to me at all. He wants to, he just, he needs to assert his power. He wants to prove to everyone else. You kill one person and everyone falls in line. Well, Simon's the one person, but he fights him in a fair fight. He didn't offer Rick a fair fist fight or Glenn or anyone. It, nope. it just, I don't understand it. It seems like, it, it just seems like they're manufacturing this, this fight scene because they think it'll be cool to watch and it'll be intense. and. Everyone knows that Simon is a bit of a fan favorite character uh, because he's so charismatic and entertaining to watch. And so they want him to go out with a bit of flair. And I guess this is how they felt they could do that. Yeah, but it didn't work because no. Simon would beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I, I, like, even if you factor in meanness, I'm thinking Simon's just as mean as Negan, if not more so. At least Negan has a... Uh, you know, a philosophy, like you say, kill one guy or one person in order to make a point. Why would, why would you get into a fair fight? No. A fair fight that you're going to lose. Yeah. And the only reason he didn't lose this ridiculous fair fight that shouldn't have happened in the first place was because the fucking script said he was going to win. Well, yes, I agree with that. But if I'm trying to keep my brain like in the show and not worry about scripts and things like that, I just don't think it makes any sense for Negan and... Uh, even if, if Negan thought he could win the fight, it's like, why take the chance? Like number one, you could get injured bad enough that even if you win, you could be broken arms, legs, whatever. But why, why take the chance? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. So while I kind of enjoyed Jeffrey Dean Morgan's face when he was actually choking out, uh, Simon, because boy, did he look like his head was about to explode. I don't think the whole scene really made very much sense at all. And I'm sure people are going to write in and, and, and give us some, you know, thoughts on why it does. And I'm all for that. But for me, I didn't really buy it. Start a fair fight. And as soon as Simon starts talking, bash him with Lucille. Well, don't even offer or the fight. Just bash smack him. Smack him in the face with a red hot iron. Do something. You know? Yeah. Do something that you've shown that you've done before. Why didn't he offer Dwight a fair fight? Why did he iron him? Why didn't he offer Dr. Carson a fair fight? He just threw him in the oven. So give us some, uh, give us some background on the, uh, you know, you, you fight the leader to be the leader, uh, mentality of this organization. Sure. If that's a thing, then that's a thing. But at this point, I don't believe it is a thing. Yeah. Getting caught trying to lead a rebellion is one thing, but if the whole, uh, thing that Simon was, uh, wanting to do was to, uh, oppose Negan's leadership, then this could have been a, a whole thing. They could have had, uh, they could have had 
their wrists tied together and have a knife fight like in that uh, Michael Jackson video. Uh, what? Beat I it, I think it was. Maybe, yeah. What well, beat it. it. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It. Anyways, it just, it didn't work for me. Um, but the other problem with a knife fight is that, uh, you know what they say about knife fights. Uh, the the loser dies on the spot. The winner dies in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get into a knife fight. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hoping not to ever. Yeah. If you're ever going to go to a knife fight, bring a gun. That's my opinion. Good idea. Or a tiger. <laughs> I bring a tiger, yeah. yeah. If you have one. Yeah. So Simon is dead. And, uh, you know, I guess we don't have confirmation quite yet, but we did hear neck oh, cracking sounds. Well, not quite yet, but later on in the episode. So this, this is why, you know, poor Simon, he's gone from the show. But the the good side, there's there's got to be a silver lining, right? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Right? Yeah. Okay, so the silver lining is that, God damn it, Stephen Ogg's got to go down another show as a principal actor and the show's going to be awesome and it's going to run for 15 years maybe his role on westworld he's still on westworld right maybe they'll uh, well he played a robot on westworld i mean he can come and go as he wants i guess oh yeah good point maybe they'll expand his role on westworld season two starts soon and i hope he's on it still that'd be good i'd i'd you know start a new show with him sure like get a new show make him a principal actor put him as a you know a crime fighting duo with him and a ninja and uh uh call it uh Steven and the Ninja. I don't give a shit. Just put him on a show. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> I'll it watch is. it. <laughs> Whatever it is. Jason's there. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are we now? We cut over to Gregory back at the hilltop. They're putting him in the pen. So this is just a quick scene. He has delivered the map and Maggie, Rick, and Michonne kind of wonder what their next move is. That's it. So we just had to make sure we saw him getting back there and delivering the uh, the map. Right. Negan, he walks Dwight back to his room. They're all chummy. Everything's great. He offers Dwight a promotion to second in command now that Simon is dead, which Dwight accepts. <laughs> and as he goes into his room and opens the door, who does he find? It's Laura. And it's wow. revealed that Negan picked her up on the road and she's told Negan everything Dwight did. Shit. Well, I think the the thing is when you get... Uh, uh, when you get elected or promoted second in command to uh, to Negan, that just means the next to die. Yeah, really, it's like being uh, it's like Stalin uh, promoting you to being his second in command. That's just a that's just a recipe for you're gonna die soon. Recipe for disaster for you. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I wouldn't want that job. I well, I wouldn't want second in command anything except for maybe this podcast. <laughs> Equal parts, equal parts, man. (laughs) No, no, second in command. I don't want to be in charge. All right, fine. Uh, Well, but it's Laura. So Laura is who he picked up, and now Dwight has been revealed as well. Okay, so when he picked up Laura, he said that if shit could shit, it would look better than her. Yep. Uh, So also in my experience, don't tell a woman she looks like shit. (laughs) Like just, I don't care who it is. I don't care if she's a subordinate uh, or anything. Just word of advice: don't don't do that. Okay. Even if it's true, I don't care. Especially if it's true, uh, just don't do it. Yeah. No, it's it's generally a bad idea. But I mean, it's just not nice to say that to anybody, really. Wow. Yeah, I can tell you, you look like shit. Do I? Jesus, you've been no, but no. I could. Okay. Yeah, and it would, it would be you know awkward for a minute or two, but you know if I went to your house and the. Your wife opened the door. I said, Jesus, you look like shit. (laughs) 
you know, that would be an awkward day <laughs> at the true. very least. And you'd probably have a conversation about me after I left. I probably would be like, what's yeah. with that guy? <laughs> yeah. That guy's not coming over anymore. What the hell's wrong with you? What the hell's wrong? Why do you even hang out with him? <laughs> well, All damn. right. So Negan reveals that the plan on the map was a fake plan, which has now been delivered to Rick. And it's apparently designed to lead Rick right into the line of fire, walk him into a trap. And he tells Dwight that he thought about killing him, but instead says he has plans for him. Mm, gonna burn the other side of your face. He might. Well, let's, I don't know. I don't know. But why doesn't he offer him a chance to fight him for control? Because it's well, stupid. Thing. And he doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's too nice. Dwight's too nice. Dwight's too nice. I mean, sure, he's good with a bow or a crossbow. Uh, he's quick with a smoke. Right. Uh, but I I think deep down, he's just too nice. Well, anyways, we don't know what Dwight's fate is for now because we cut back over to Eugene and he arrives back at the bullet factory. Uh, he finds out that Negan is back because uh, I think Regina tells him, and then he delivers a speech about them working as hard and as fast as possible to get the bullet order done. Uh, now this is where I want to talk about Eugene because okay. I have, this is the same speech as that guy on the death star when Darth Vader showed up and said, uh, why isn't this fucking death star done? Uh, we, well, we've been working as hard as we can. It's like, well, the emperor's coming. It's like, shit, we're going to redouble our efforts. Yes. That's that's the speech he gives, basically. Negan's back, and we're going to do it. However, there is a key difference here, Jason, and that is that the show has just told us that Eugene is going to make fake bullets, and they are going to play into the season finale. Um, I ask you this before I outline my uh, argument here. Did yep. you pick up on that in this scene? Did you watch the scene, and when it was over, realize that Eugene just said that we're going to make fake bullets to everybody without saying uh, it. I thought that they uh, said that they're going to make shitty bullets. I'm not sure that, or I'm not sure I got quite fake bullets. I just thought we're going to make a bunch of things that uh, will probably be bullets. Well, here's the thing. Eugene, in this scene, I am 99.9% .9 sure he is now working against Negan, and they're going to make fake and or bullets that don't work. So, number one, point number one, why have the scene earlier in the episode where Father Gabe admitted to making bad ammunition unless it was to give Eugene the idea? Because it wasn't his plan before that. Well, because you got a priest making bullets. You can't make good bullets, like working bullets. Fine, but what was the point of that conversation? It, it seemed kind of neither here nor there when when they had it earlier in the episode and then he fires him from the production line um but you know i started thinking about it and i'm like why even include that well it's so that that idea gets into eugene's brain number two regina tells eugene that rick is walking into a trap so now eugene knows that those people are basically going to have no chance if they're if they walk into this trap that negan has set number three Negan says the following lines. If, sorry, Eugene says the following lines. If Negan needs bullets to end this war, then by gender, he's going to get them. He also says, we will rise to the occasion. 
we will blow them away with every trigger pull they require. He's not talking about firing those weapons. He's talking about the weapons exploding in the hands of the saviors. And then he finishes with, we will change savior history evermore. I, I swear to God, he is outlining those things could all apply to the saviors losing this battle and not the saviors winning this battle. Further, I got more. He, okay, go. He, he goes, goes. He goes over to Father Gabe, tells him to get back to work, and says, "You follow my lead to the letter on the lead." And he's telling him, you know, to do what he was doing to make bad ammo. And then finally, Eugene uses the very same line that Rosita said to him earlier. He says, "It's time to do something useful with our pathetic lives." All of this adds up to. Eugene is sabotaging the bullets. I can see that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that at the time, but I accept your argument, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to dig my heels in and not believe you. Oh, all right. Uh, I just, I can't see it any other way. Like, all of the preceding stuff in this episode leads up to this conclusion for me. And if they don't go there somehow, and Eugene actually does make working proper bullets i'm gonna be like what the hell that seems like absolutely the opposite of what they were giving us in this episode so so i guess the only counter argument i can make to that and i'm not saying that necessarily i believe my own counter argument but just being the, uh, the devil's advocate here please uh never attribute to malice what can be easily explained by incompetence so i'm not necessarily on board with Eugene actively making fake bullets. I think that he, his motivations is uh, more in line with uh, meeting a quota by any means, many means necessary. And like you and I are both, uh, we work on the internet and we both write and or have written code. Have you ever written a piece of code uh, knowing that a deadline is fastly approaching uh, and you've written the code knowing full well that it will fail quality assurance. Like you throw it over the wall to be tested knowing full well that it's going to fail that those QA tests. And you'll by failing those tests, you'll have more time to finish the fucking code. Well, you know what? I, I, I can't say I've ever specifically done that, but I have <laughs> uh, written code that doesn't necessarily... Um, undergo the amount of rigorous testing that it might need. Right. Or kind of half-asses a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe doesn't handle all of the potential error situations, things like right. that. The outlying situation. Yeah, okay, right. I get you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I know what so, you're saying. So I don't necessarily mean, and this is what I mean by uh, never attribute to malice what can be easily explained by incompetence. He's trying to meet a deadline. He's trying to meet a deadline that he knows full well he can't make. And so he's going to make a bunch of things that look like bullets, and they very well could be bullets, but they might not be. But Eugene is not one to to engage in incompetence. He is not an incompetent guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows maybe he can't make the deadline, but he was going to do what he could to to deliver something to Simon and therefore to Negan. It's just all this other stuff, like the yeah. the same line that Rosita said to him, come on. 
You know, we're going to make you no, do something I, I, with your pathetic life. That's what I'm saying. Life. I just mean devil's advocate here. I just, I, when I first watched this, I agree with your argument and mm. I hear what you're saying and I'm kind of leaning towards that now. When I first saw this uh, earlier today, <laughs> right? Uh, that my impression was that he's trying to meet a deadline that he can't achieve. And so he's going to fake it somehow just to make that deadline. Well, he's, he, Right. He's going to he's going to make the bullets. They just will be of such poor quality that they might not work very well. Yeah, he's going to make the bare minimum enough. He's going to try and make what he feels Negan will accept without shooting him in the face. Right. Uh and uh by accept, uh they're not going to have time to go through proper QA, so he's probably going to be able to fake it out. But I I never got the impression that he was going to actively sabotage the the manufacturing of the bullets in order to uh, bring about the end of the saviors. Well, I think that's exactly what they're doing here. And well, I think with the number of episodes we have left and the uh, the plot uh, going the way it is, uh, that you're absolutely correct. Yes, and you know uh, this back half of this season has, for some characters, been a little bit about. Redemption for Dwight, for example, you know, Tara forgiving him and stuff like that. And Eugene now is going to undergo that same character uh, transition or whatever, right? He's been. I with- don't want that to happen. Well, I don't want Eugene to backslide back into Rick and the gang. He's coming back. I want back. him to be Negan until he fucking dies. Well, he is at this, right at the second as soon as I watch this scene, I'm like, he's no longer Negan. He is now Team Rick again. And what's going to happen is there's, there's going to be a battle next week. The Savior's bullets aren't going to work. Basically, the trap that Rick walks into isn't going to be effective because the Saviors are using Eugene's bad bullets. That's going to save Rick and the gang and give them the opportunity to fight back. They're going to realize that this is a result of Eugene's sabotaging of the bullets. And when all the dust settles, if Eugene is still alive, he's coming back onto Team Rick. Man, we're going to get Eugene and not Simon on Team Rick. It's bullshit. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's right. At least we'll always have that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm working on a... uh... A design for a, a little uh, box that has a button on it that says bullshit. That's when you exciting. push the button. The bullshit a little button. speaker, a little Arduino kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you push a button, it says bullshit. Bullshit button box. Yeah. All right. Just leave it lying around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for anybody to use. Until your son needs to press something. He'll probably love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He loves buttons. Of course he does. He, he says push the button all the time. Yeah. Well, now he'll have one to actually push. So- Anyways. No, no he can, but he pushes the button when we make coffee. When oh, we good. make coffee, put the, put the thing in, and then he pushes the button. It's awesome. That's great. Make, he, as soon as he wake up in the morning, he says, make the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, You're goddamn right, son. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you want to push the button? It's a coffee button. He knows what he's doing. And as soon as he leaves the house, he says, double, double. It's like, that's right. We're going to Tim Hortons <laughs> to get a double, double. He's learning. <laughs> he's a smart kid. <laughs> he is. Okay. Well, that's my whole thing about Eugene. I am... I am basically 100% convinced that's what we're going to see next week, and that's what they were showing us this week. So uh, let's finish off this episode. We cut outside. Zombie Simon is tied to the fence. So we do have now confirmation that Simon is dead. I could be faking it. No, he's dead. He made a good-looking zombie, though. I thought he made a great zombie. He makes a good-looking anything. That's very He's a good-looking man. He is. Negan 
he's hanging around uh, in the background watching and Michonne calls him on the walkie. She wants to read Carl's letter to him, which she does over the radio. And again, Carl kind of tells Negan the same thing that he told Rick. Try to make peace. You don't have to kill everybody. Work together, etc., etc. All the same stuff. And get your head out of your ass. There's not a lot of humans left. What the fuck? Basically, that's it. Yeah. I mean, work with the people that are around. Don't try to kill everybody. And Negan responds pretty much with a fuck you. This is all Rick's fault and it's too late to start over. And at this point, I'm going down the killing everybody road. He says that winning this whole thing is about killing every last one of you. He says this to Michonne over the radio, of course. And when he's done talking to her, (laughs) he throws the radio on the ground and stomps on it. Very symbolic, but completely meaningless. Very symbolic and kind of stupid. Like, you're wasting a good radio for one. Yeah, like, there's that's the only radio, like, because he smashed that, there's no more communication possible. I'm sure somebody else has a radio. He's like, smashed that, he's like, shit. Somebody give me a radio. Yeah, that's right. He's like, oh, I shouldn't have broken that. (laughs) Maybe he didn't break it. Maybe he just stomped on it and it fell into its constituent parts, which are easily put back together. With replacement phone parts from earlier in the episode. Uh, Yeah. There's a big difference between walkie-talkies and phones. You know Uh, that, right? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. They might share some parts. There you go. So the plastic outer casing, maybe? Okay, whatever. Whatever. I'm just (laughs) saying. Uh, And there you have it. That is the episode. So um, Negan is going to kill everyone. Simon is dead and that's a bummer. Uh but re- otherwise, you know, what uh what did you think about this episode? For me, I'll say it was solid, but it was mostly stage setting. It was it was yeah, that's okay. it, yeah it was them doing stuff that we kind of knew had to happen and that the show had to get out of the way before we move forward. So I made a list. Okay, that, uh, that's uh, good. Of stuff. And when in doubt, make a list. Yeah, yeah. So here's all the things that this kind of resolved that I feel like the show needed to resolve uh, or address before we can finish the season or even just move into the last episode. Number okay, one. Number one. Number one. <laughs> resolution to Simon wanting to overthrow Negan. We got that. Sadly, but yes. Number two. Resolution to Dwight being a traitor. Although, to be fair, mostly. mostly, We don't know what happened to Simon afterwards. He got uh, called a traitor and then... Dwight, you mean, yeah. Yeah, Dwight got called a traitor and then what happened? Right. So not completely over, but at least we know that Negan now found him out. uh, He's probably tied up in the hot tub. He's probably... that for an hour, you crazy bastard. (laughs) Yes. You hate hot tubs. I'm going to put you in it for a while. I hate hot tubs. That would be torture for me. Me too. I'm not a hot tub guy. Number three. Explain what the hell Aaron was doing and sort of 3A set up Oceanside to play a part in next week's uh, episode, whether it's a fight or whatever. any guns left? Um, No, I don't think so. They took them all, remember? What good are they then? They're useless. Well, I mean, they needed Aaron. They needed someone to tell them that they have to fight back. And that's what Aaron did. So I feel like that's explained enough. So they've sort of put it behind us. Maybe they uh, have the helicopter. Uh, maybe they have the helicopter. I doubt it. Number four, move Eugene into position to have an important effect on this war, which by God yep. they did, in my opinion. 
Number five, finally have characters read Carl's letters. Right? We got that. Yeah, yeah get that done. At least the important ones. Uh, number six, do something with Gregory. Although I must admit, I'm kind of surprised he's still alive. He just keeps going back and forth. He's like a rat in a maze. Yeah, I'm not saying it was interesting, but they explained kind of, or they gave him something to do. And honestly, I hope next week he gets killed off. You, be purulator, go do stuff. Go do stuff. And number seven, give us an answer on why Father Gabe is getting better. Turns out it's just because he had the flu. Yes, he's got the zombie flu. Right. So all of these things to me, moving pieces around a little bit, putting some storylines to bed, answering some questions that people have had for a while, and now they've done all that, and the episode was okay, didn't blow me away, but okay, um, and now they're going to move into an exciting, intense season finale. The problem And with, number eight, don't forget number eight. What's number eight? Vomit on Rosita's boobs. <laughs> I mean, that's something we've been waiting for for a long time. We got to get it done, right? You, you have to get it done. It, has, it, it had to happen eventually. It had to it happen. <laughs> uh, right. The problem with this episode for me was the how much I didn't like the, the Negan-Simon fist fight. I, I can't even accept that it happened. Yeah. Though I can't accept that it happened, and I can't accept the outcome. Like, I don't like either one. Right. It didn't happen. It can't happen. He uh, can't be dead. That's uh, ridiculous. Well, he's dead, and he died at the hands of his boss man. Uh, <sighs> totally. That stupid car flipped over onto its tires, even though it was clearly flipping onto its hood, that truck what, van thing. Talking about that again like, from three years well, ago? Well, this is this is even worse than that. Like, that's got to be the most blatant thing, right? Well, the the car, the truck, I mean, the van flipping over off the bridge was, uh, it's one of those things. Was, it's pretty egregious. It was egregious, right? But it was, I feel like it was more of a filmmaking problem. Like, they, you know, they showed it tipping off and then it did a 360 in the air and landed on its wheels, right? That's a, just a physics filmmaking problem. Um, this was a character problem where uh, there's it all falls into believability problems though. Well, in general, yeah, but I feel like this is more this is more of a problem because it it there's nothing to establish that this is the way these characters would handle this, right? And the, and that's uh, what I don't like. And and I know they can introduce new things. They can they can change characters. They don't have to stay the same all the time. But you need a basis for stuff, and I just feel like there was no basis for this hand-to-hand fight. Maybe Simon wanted to die, and that's the only real explanation. He let him win. Yeah, he was willing to die before when he got on his knees and uh, Negan was going to bash him in the back of the head with a, with Lucille. Well, yeah. Like he was accepting death then, the possibility of death, so maybe he just he went, fuck, you know? I got to die. It's time know. for me to die. The story ends for me if, here. If that's the case, it needs to be on the screen, and it wasn't. So, anyways, people, let us know why we're crazy. Let us know why we're wrong. I would love to have my mind changed about this. Is there something there that, that I'm just not getting? Um, please. Help me get past this. Get us through it. Absolutely. Counsel us. Bring us... Help us see the light. Wisdom. We need wisdom, damn it. Sometimes we really do. Yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say, and I think I already did, is that Simon made an awesome-looking zombie, and I watched a little bit of AMC's Talking Dead show this week after this, and Stephen Ogg was on, 
And you know what they did? They, no. They live shaved his mustache on the air. <laughs> and I must admit, it was kind of funny. <laughs> I I don't know. So I can't accept that. A <laughs> uh, little like hair, electric shaver took it up. And Who they? Like somebody shaved him or he shaved himself? No, Chris Hardwick started, or maybe he didn't start. Uh, it was Stephen Ogg, um, uh, Rosita. Christian Serratos, and then some super fan like it's, who won a contest to be there. And oh, okay. If you want a mustache shaving contest, then fuck it. Yeah, yeah. So everyone got a chance to do some shaving. I think, I don't remember if Hardwick or, or Christian started, but she might have started. Uh, anyways, they all took a turn. And so if you'd won that contest, you would have got a chance to shave Og's mustache. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'd respectfully, I'd get up there in front of them and refuse. <laughs> You'd be too busy wanting to make out with them the whole time. Well, no, I don't know if I want to make out with them, but I don't think I could, ex- I wouldn't want to shave another man. Even on live TV? Especially on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? I mean, what did, did you like it, hate it? I liked it. I thought it was a solid effort. Uh, I do. Re- I did recognize that it was, you know, set up for the finale, but that's okay because we had to do that. Like, why would you not set up the finale? I thought it was everything was compelling. I thought that uh, things happened unexpectedly, but made sense, except for that fight scene. Uh, I can even accept the fact that the fight existed, right? Like out of nowhere, they mm-hmm. have this ritual where they fight each other, and uh, the meanest guy. Be- keeps or the meanest guy is the leader of the mean guys. Uh, but Stephen Ogg not being the meanest guy. I got, anyway, I like the, uh, that's where it falls apart for you. I have to stick, take a step back. Overall. I like the episode. Okay. I yeah. even didn't mind Eugene that much. Uh, I've had problems with Eugene in the last few episodes. Uh-huh. This wasn't as bad. Yeah, no, you're right. I didn't mind Eugene. I feel like I've figured out, exactly what's going on with them and I'm, i hope I, they, I hope you're wrong. wrong well i don't I think, think I you're am. right but i hope you're wrong yeah fair enough uh okay well um i thought you'd be a little more upset about the the demise of simon i'm like, very upset like the actual death okay <laughs> <laughs> i thought i just thought it would affect your overall feeling of the episode be like this is bullshit how how can we not have a show with simon no because Stephen Ong's going to start another show. He's going to be in another show, right? It's not like Stephen Ong's going to jump off the planet. No. You know, I'm, 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 I'm more about Stephen Ong than I am about Simon. Sure. He'll land right? on his feet somewhere and <laughs> yeah. everything will be okay. It's going to be good. He's going to team up with a ninja. They'll fight crimes together. Uh, maybe he'll join a Netflix show uh, where he's the superhero. They've been doing superhero Marvel stuff for a while. We probably have some uh, some backroom Marvel superhero characters that uh, he could join the cast of and bring it forward. Get him in the next season of Daredevil or something. That might be cool. Or the Punisher. I, you know, there's there's so much. I I still have to watch Daredevil. I still haven't watched Daredevil. And because I haven't watched Daredevil, I haven't watched The Punisher. And I recognize this as a failing on my part. I haven't watched The Punisher yet either, but I loved, um, uh, what's his face? Oh my God, what's his name? Shane. I love Shane as The Punisher. Shane, yeah. Shane, what's his Shane's real his name? What's his real name? <laughs> oh my God. John Bernthal. Uh, John Bernthal. Thank uh, you. Earlobes. Mr. Earlobes. Right. Loved him as The Punisher. Uh, anyways, uh, let us move on here now because it's approaching midnight at this point and I'm determined to get this podcast out tonight. We're going to move, holy crap, into our feedback episode 
on Thursday. So we'll do that. We'll combine it all into one feedback, holy crap, everything, and so uh, and do it all at once. Uh, and plus, we've already been going for like almost an hour and a half here. So can, can you re-edit the bumper to say holy feedback crap? Maybe I will. I'll try to get that done. We'll see. All right. Uh, so that's it, but by all means, send in your feedback and, uh, we'll throw as much as we can up on the feedback show on Thursday night. I think there's a lot of stuff here to, to go over and probably some, you know, alternate opinions that we might want to consider about some of this, some of these things. So send it in. That would be fantastic. And the best way to do that is to email it to talking at gmail.com. You can also send us voicemails, which we really, really love, and you can record those right on your phones and then email them, or visit the website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com, and click on Send Voicemail at the top. That should work as well. Uh, you can also do that with title reads, which we want to get some for uh, for next time, but that's not for the feedback episode. That's for next week. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dead. And uh, I think that is going to do it for this evening. So until next time, everyone, thanks uh, for listening. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just roll with it, my friends. Thanks for listening. My name is Chris. Go ahead. But then, but then I can't say it again right after. It sounds weird. So. Okay. So don't not, I'm not going to thank you yet. So my name is Chris. What I'm going to do is I'm going to (laughs) go. Until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.